And I was like, this is how I wish STEM and science was taught to me when I was growing up, right? I wish like this was the way it was communicated to me. And so that's kind of been my focus is being able to spark curiosity and present science in a new and interesting way and having that merger of entertainment and pop culture and all of these areas that we consume on a regular basis. Hey guys, welcome to the Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Akram Al-Wahabi, and today our guest is none other than Hip Hop MD, AKA Maynard Okereke. He graduated with civil engineering degree, but chose science communication as a career path. And at least in my opinion, he made such a great impact by making science so much relatable and fun. If you've seen his videos, he uses a lot of analogy and a few jokes here and there to simplify and make the information more relatable. In today's episode, he will be talking about his background, the process of making his science communication videos, and the challenges that faced him. So if you're interested in science in general or science communication specifically, this episode is definitely for you. Hit the follow and or the subscribe button and let's get to the podcast. First of all, thank you for joining to, joining me today in this podcast. Um, I've been following you for a very, very long time. I think you're the first like person that I know that does you know science communication. And uh, I don't know what does that say about me. I don't know <laughs> many science communicators, but like I was really happy to know a, a person like you. So can you you know introduce yourself a little bit to, to me and to everyone else that is watching or listening? Yes, uh, my name is Maynard Okereke, also known as the Hip Hop MD. Uh, I have a platform called Hip Hop Science where I use music, entertainment, and comedy to educate on a wide variety of scientific topics. I touch on pretty much all areas of STEM, from wildlife exploration and biology to space, astronomy, physics, math, anything STEM related, I'm on it. Uh, and really with the focus of encouraging more minority and youth involvement into the STEM fields and hopefully just sparking curiosity and excitement uh, about science in general to audiences pretty much all across the globe. That sounds awesome. And 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 to be honest, like when, when I started listening to you, like or watching you on Instagram from in the beginning, and I was like, I just didn't know what was your background. And I was like, this guy knows everything. <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I after going to your website, I realized that you were doing uh, civil engineering, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, in in your show, you you or on your Instagram, like you talk about everything. So, what happened that you moved from civil engineering into science communication? Are are you still doing civil engineering, or like uh, how how did this shift in career path go? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's part of the crazy roundabout story that I address a lot uh, on my platform, kind of my journey into science communication. Uh, I studied civil environmental engineering at the University of Washington. That's where I got my degree from in Seattle. Go Huskies for all my dogs out there. Um, but uh, my original pursuit was wildlife science. I originally wanted to study wildlife biology when I went to college. Um, started pursuing that. Um, and then uh, I also did an internship as, as a nuclear engineer as well, too, while I was in college. Had all these different areas that I was really interested in exploring. For me, it was always about doing what I was curious about, right? I always had a kind of curiosity in a lot of different things that always seemed kind of contrasting uh, and had a kind of crazy journey, a lot of unique experiences, either through educators that kind of uh, pushed me out of some of the fields that I was interested in, especially like wildlife science. I was told there's no money in this. You shouldn't pursue it. 
this isn't the field for you. You need to go where the money is at. You need to go towards engineering. And then I started pursuing nuclear engineering. And then I kind of felt ostracized out of that field as well, too, because um, I didn't really see anybody that looked like me doing that work and going around telling people that I was doing nuclear engineering just seemed out of space. And I never felt like that field really spoke to me and talked to me and I had a connection with it. Um, and so I ended up going the civil environmental engineering route. Uh, but even while I was pursuing, you know, that area of education, I was always into entertainment, music, uh, and performing arts was always just a big passion of mine. Uh, I used to do like stage theater. Uh, I used to work as a hip hop artist as well. So I always had this like entertainer side too. So there was always these contrasting areas of that were uniquely me. Uh, but I always thought that I had to be one or the other. And so for the longest time, I was just pursuing uh, my education and then started working professionally. And then while I was working in the industry for a number of years, I really I was still doing other stuff on the side as far as entertainment. And I really wanted to have an opportunity to be able to pursue that full time. And so some opportunities popped up on the acting side and the music side. And I did the whole leap of faith and moved out to Los Angeles to pursue entertainment. And while doing this work, I was always still connected to the STEM fields as well and still had my nerd side and was always exploring new things happening in the world of science. And the hip hop science platform really came about as just uh, me originally just trying to do some fun sketch ideas that were unique to me, things that I talking about things that I cared about and I was passionate about. Uh, and it became this whole kind of science communication platform kind of out of just me exploring and putting unique content out there. And I find out that people were, you know, uh, getting educated and learning from it. And it was entertaining. And I was like, this is how I wish STEM and science was taught to me when I was growing up. Right. I wish like this was the way it was communicated to me. And so that's kind of been my focus is being able to spark curiosity and present science in a new and interesting way and having that merger of entertainment and pop culture and all of these areas that we consume on a regular basis. And so that's really kind of how I got into the science communication field was just me trying to find a way to be my true authentic self in every space that I was. And the hip hop science platform was just that. Perfect, man. This is so great. Uh, it's very interesting that you also chose you know, to present yourself, like also always using these headphones, always having this hip hop lock, hip hop look, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm wondering, like your your latest post on Instagram, I think touches a little bit on that. And like when you said, like you had an interaction with somebody that kind of did not believe that you were an engineer. Mm -hmm. And how how do you deal with this? Like you know, also you being like being a person of color and. Uh, having this certain like hip hop look um mm -hmm. i think it's some people don't perceive it as well as you would hope it would like uh, science should be in your brain not about how you look or like it shouldn't it shouldn't have a certain face right yeah. how do you deal with this kind of you know um, way of thinking with this mentality yeah, yeah for sure um, it was tough originally, right? Like I, I didn't always have the confidence to be able to be myself as I am now doing this platform. And I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier when I was stating I was trying to explore wildlife science, right? And then eventually into nuclear engineering. Uh, but I was, I had a unique curiosity about those fields, especially wildlife and biology, like 
a lot of my content now it goes on the wildlife exploration side just because I love that. I always had this natural curiosity about it, but I never saw people that looked like me in that field, right? And then when I remember telling people that I wanted to pursue wildlife science, they looked at me crazy. They're like, what? You want to go <laughs> sit in trees and look at animals all day? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do, right? But uh, it's one of those things where if you don't see representative figures that look like you, or if others don't see people that look like you in this field, they doubt that you are capable of doing that. And growing up, yeah, I was, you know, like I said, I was in, uh, I was hip hop artist and all these different things. So I didn't even physically, I didn't come across as someone that was into education, right? And so I'd walk around and people would be like, wait, wait, you're trying to study what? And I don't, you know, because I, especially back in the day, you know, I got my, uh, you know, I got my headbands and and uh, my NBA oversized outfits and all sorts of stuff. You know, I, I didn't have that persona of what people typically said a scientist looks like, right? And I think that's one thing I try to address on this platform is changing that narrative and changing that misconception of this is what a scientist is supposed to look like because we know that people of color have been uh, disproportionately represented in the STEM fields, especially. And a lot of that stems from that narrative. You know, you see images of doctors and scientists and you think of a white guy in a lab coat. And obviously I'm none of that, right? And you have this wave yeah. of other people in the community that don't that don't represent that. And we want to feel included. We want to feel respected in that space. And so there's a big uh, push now, you know, to really showcase diversity in STEM and showcase that you can be your true self. And a lot of times that comes from how we're being educated in the classroom. You're being presented this material and you're only being presented in a way where, oh, only the, the brightest of the brightest people can be in these fields. Only the smartest people can be in these fields. If you don't know X, Y, Z, this isn't the field for you. And I try to showcase that there's science in everything that we do. And that whole merger of entertainment and pop culture and science, for me, is a really great way to be able to make that connectivity to especially people of color and people from different cultural backgrounds to show that, hey, I can have a say in these fields. This field speaks to me. I feel wanted. I feel included in this space because of the terminology that I use. And then, you know, me walking around my headphones, having that look you know, it now makes this more palatable to the people that don't normally get presented these fields in that way. They can see themselves in someone that looks like me or in another science communicator that's a person of color that, hey, I can be wanted in this space and this is a field that I can pursue and I have the, the knowledge and the capability to be able to do this work. And that representation is so important because now you're able to spark this curiosity and be able to showcase new opportunities in these fields. And that's really the crux of what I try to do with my platform. And so that post that you mentioned where I talked about that situation that I had where a lady on the bus, I told that I was on my way to my nuclear engineering internship. It's crazy, right? Because in her eyes, she never seen someone that looked like me being a nuclear engineer. And, and, and when somebody comes in and, and reacts that way, you slowly, all these kind of things, because that wasn't just what that was just one of many situations that happened that made me feel inferior, made me feel like maybe I can't do this. And you start getting that imposter syndrome of where you don't really truly believe in yourself. And then you don't see others doing that work. And so these these little nuggets start to slowly fester and slowly kind of push you away from those fields. And that happens far too often to people of color. And so really trying to change that narrative and showcase a new face of science to me is really important. You know, one of the, like when you were talking, like this something very similar also happened to me, and this is why I related to it so much. And 
to be honest, like it hurts more when it's a person of your color or a person from, you know, your environment. I, yeah. I, my, my background is dentistry. And then I don't know, some guy was talking about me to another guy. And then he yeah. said like, Do you know, he's a dentist. And he's like, damn, he doesn't look like a dentist. He probably looks like a mechanic. Yeah. And, and God damn, I was like that. When I knew about it, it hurt me so much, but I don't know, like changing the perception of how people look, of how people dress, of how people behave mm-hmm. actually is a very important part. And I'm, I'm really thankful for you to, I mean, beyond thankful for you to being part of, you know, the wave that changes this perception of scientists yeah. and people who are into science. Yeah. And that's great that you brought that up too. Cause like, even from that post that I did yesterday, I had so many people t- coming out and saying, I relate with this so much, or I went through this. And I've heard so many stories like that from my other peers and people that I've known in the science communication space for so long. And this is a, a far too common reality that we deal with. And, and for us, you know, you went into dentistry, I ended up still pursuing engineering uh, because, you know, we may have a different mindset. We may be able to persevere a little harder than some. But think about those other people that had those same situations where they felt kind of ostracized or where they felt doubted or felt inferior. They may have not had the same willpower, or the same strength or the same opportunities are afforded around them to be able to maintain that perseverance to stay in those fields. And they may have ended up either dropping out or pursuing some other thing that they felt more included in or pursuing something else that they felt they stereotypically belonged in. Right. So you think about how many people we are left out of the STEM fields because of that kind of narrative. And, you know, that's why it's so important for us to do that work, to be able to showcase our stories as well, so that others that are going through those similar experiences can have something to look up to and be and be inspired and motivated by and say, yes, I can still do this. And it's important for me to stay in pursuing these STEM fields. So that's really important to highlight those stories. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's so much hard work that goes into this. Like, I, I cannot imagine how... You know, how hard have you been working in order to make, you know, hip hop science a reality and, you know, being able to post on, you know, regular basis. So th- this is my question, like how, how much preparation does it take for you to, you know, for every, you know, one minute of content? How, mu- how much preparation does it take to, <laughs> to come up with that one minute? Yeah. Oh, man. Far too, far too long. Longer than anybody would possibly think and I think especially as a content creator that's probably the hardest part is continuously being able to develop new content and keep it interesting right it's one thing just make content but it's one thing to make content that's engaging informative educational you know comedic all these different things right this is you're choosing the difficult way yeah this is the difficult way you chose the difficult route you know to, to, to do this yeah Exactly. And the STEM fields are already tough enough as it is, right? Being an engineer, being a dentist, you know, being a doctor, all these fields are, are difficult already. And for me, I'm, I'm luckily I'm blessed right now to be able to do this science communication work full time. This is what I do now, you know? Um, and so for me, it's really kind of balancing uh, the research side of stuff uh, and then that creative side of everything, right? Because now that I'm looked up to as a science communicator with credibility and notoriety in this space, I have to make sure that things I present are true, authentic, accurate, right? So I got to fact check things. I got to be able to do the proper research to be able to put this material together. It's not just me just making up stuff, right? I always double, triple check the things that I do and say, you know, to make sure that I'm putting out accurate information there to the community because that's important, right? 
And so there's that aspect of it. And then there's the actual creation of stuff. And I do pretty much everything myself. The videos that you see, I'm, I'm pretty much a one-man crew. I'm recording everything. I'm editing. I'm hosting. I'm doing everything, right? And obviously trying to get to that space, you know, very soon we'll have, uh, you know, at least a social media management team or something around that can help with that work. But a lot of times coming up, especially starting out as a content creator, you have to do a lot of that work yourself, you know? I mean, you got this podcast here, you're doing the recording, you're doing the audio, you're, you know, you're looking up people to, to have conversations with, right? It's a lot of work that you have to do on the back end and put it together, posting it, all these different things, right? It takes work and takes effort to be able to develop that platform. And you hopefully it grows to the point where you can now have a team around you to be able to assist with that. But yes, it takes a lot of time and effort to, be able to do any bit of content that I put out on my platform. Yeah. So how do you choose the subjects? Like, to be honest, like I, I see that you're always kind of uh, on the latest trends, especially for, for, for the James Webb, uh, you know, telescope. I was, I was blown away. First of all, like you're the first person that I got that information from. I'm apparently living under a rock. <laughs> no, so, <laughs> so, but yeah, I was like, I, I was really interested in the subject. And I, actually I looked for many people to interview about it. So I wanted to do a podcast about it, but just like, I, unfortunately I couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. So you, you uh, obviously, you know, you're, you stay, you stay up to date with, you know, all the scientific updates. How how do you choose which subjects to go to 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 present about? Because I'm I'm sure like there's a lot of things to you know think about. But how do you choose the main content that you want to present in your you know platform? Yeah, for me it's 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 fairly easy, right? Like at the end of the day, I always go towards things that interest me, right? I'm a firm believer. Like if you're not passionate about something, you're not going to be able to present it accurately you're not to be able to present it in a unique way and you're not be able to present it in an informative way that people are going to learn something from and so i always start off first and foremost with things that interest me and luckily stem especially since i do such a broad topics from space to wildlife and all and everything in between uh it lends itself to a lot of content right because there's always something new happening in the world of science and uh, i always keep tab on on everything i'm i follow a lot of blogs. I follow a lot of um, STEM platforms and organizations on everything from Twitter to Instagram to TikTok. So I'm always kind of feeling like I'm getting immersed with news and information about new things that are happening. I have, a, I have so many different apps that I use on my phone that give me notifications on new findings, new technology, new innovations, you know, things happening in AI and VR, like all sorts of different things, right? And so I'm always kind of coming across this information throughout my day-to-day life. And every once in a while, a headline or something might come across. I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. I wonder what if. And then I'm always get sucked into this YouTube wormhole of doing research. And then that turns into three other things that I'm interested about. And then those turn into three other things. And so I always keep a list of things that interest me. I write everything down. And then once I'm able to get the time to be able to sit and sift through it, I, you know, I script out certain things or I break down certain things that I find interesting and elaborate. And obviously things like the James Webb Space Telescope, that was a huge thing happening within the space uh, you know, community and beyond. And for me, that was something really dope to highlight because it transitioned past just people who are interested in space 
to becoming this kind of global sensation where everybody was talking about it and everybody was just mystified by this new technology and being able to look back into time and all these different things. And those moments, I think, are really important to highlight, especially when something it's STEM related now becomes a pop culture topic and becomes kind of a universal theme that people from across the world are talking about. Those moments for me are the really, really important ones to highlight because at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to do is bring STEM to the forefront and make it a really day-to-day -day conversation and tie that in with the discussions that we might having about the newest show on Netflix or the newest album that just came out. You know, I wanted it to be that uh, type of conversation where it just comes out of your mouth, like day-to-day -day things that you would naturally be talking about anyway. And so those moments are really cool for me to highlight when something is already news breaking and becoming kind of pop culture. Those are the moments that I really try to bring that even more so to the forefront. So people like yourself, like you said, you didn't know about it until you saw my platform. <laughs> now you're able to reach these unique audiences in a different way because you've been able to present this buzzworthy type of information in a really authentic and palatable way for people to receive. Oh, perfect, man. Uh, how how can I say, like, honestly, I feel a bit embarrassed about the whole James Webb thing because <laughs> everybody oh. was talking about it. And, man, yeah. you should never feel embarrassed ever, man. Like, stuff there, there's stuff that, yeah. like, even myself, there's stuff that kind of see, uh, goes under my radar. I mean, like, I'll find out about it later on. I'll be like, oh, when did this happen? I didn't know about yeah. this. Like, there's yeah. so much stuff that happens. And, like, you know, that's why communication is important, right? You're able to bring mm. these to the table and be able to now bring this information to audiences that may have never heard about this. And that opens the doors now for them to do their own research and learn more. So the yeah. fact that you did find out about it through my platform, that means that I was doing my work. That was means I was doing my Obviously, job. Obviously, yeah, you're doing, you're doing a great job, man. <laughs> so just a, a related question. So, you know, the the James Webb thing is very exciting, but I'm, I'm pretty sure like you, you you come you come you face a lot of interesting things that uh, during you know your your job as a science communicator yeah. is there like something that is that something that stuck in your memory like something that was like that was amazing i mean james webb probably is one of them but is there like something that was more or less like something that you basically had a lasting impression on you mm, that's a great question um i would say so I, I do, like I said, I do a lot of universal things, but there's certain things that do connect with me in, in more ways than others that I really like to highlight on my platform. And obviously, like I mentioned earlier, biology, wildlife, that's an area that I have a really close affinity towards because that was always kind of my first passion. So I naturally just know a lot within that space and I try to participate within a lot in that space. And uh, I, I've been blessed to be part of the board of directors for this uh, organization called Reserva. It's uh, the first fully youth-funded nature reserve. We're helping protect a plot of land in Ecuadorian cloud forest. And there's so many unique species there and they're discovering new species there all the time. And I had a chance to be part of naming a new species of tree frog that was found in that area. And we did this whole big social media movement where we uh, put a contest together and we enabled youth from across the world 
participated in naming this new species. And I did a whole video breakdown of why species are named the way they are and did this whole taxonomic breakdown that we put on the website, on the, con on the contest page uh, that people can watch and learn about how new species are named. And I was able to deliver all these new facts about the tree frog itself and then got to participate in, in coming down with the final name of the species. And so for me, that's been really dope to say that I was involved in naming a new species of animal, you know, and that's always had a close connection just because I'm part of that organization and the work that they're doing is so important to help uh, protect wildlife. And so that's definitely one area that stands out to me that also had a unique merger with pop culture and science by being able to bring this new information out to the masses and then now have youth from across the world learning about this new creature and then also being involved in naming it as well too so that was one uh specific thing that definitely stands out for me what what, what was it named what was what was the, the... yeah it was this ecuadorian tree frog the uh scientific name that we came up with was uh hylascurtus conscientia okay so, <laughs> yeah, so the, the conscientia portion was kind of uh, themed out of being conscious about the environment, being conscious about what we're protecting and why we're protecting it. Uh, okay. And so, yeah, so it was a really cool experience. That's dope. <laughs> That's really dope. Mm -hmm. um, again, going back to, you know, being a, a a content creator, like a scientific content creator, right? It comes with a lot of difficulties. But in, in your opinion, what... What difficulties do science communicators face today? Um, you know, not, not just in social media, but generally speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what do you think, like from your point of view, what are the difficulties that, you know, maybe you had to face? Uh, obviously, you know, the whole, you know, not, not fitting the persona of a scientist is one thing. Yeah. But generally speaking, uh, what in your opinion, what are the difficulties? Yeah, I would say... I would say one area that a lot of us in the science communication space deal with is overcoming misinformation. Uh, for sure, that's definitely a tough one. And I deal with that a lot on my platform uh, because obviously, you know, we're interested in science. We're in the STEM fields. We believe in science, right? We know that science is a foundation of how we know about the world and how we learn about the world and how it works. Uh, but you also have an other side of people that just don't have that same belief in science and you know everything from flat earthers to people that think the moon landing is fake and all these you know conspiracy theories and all stuff like that right and yeah. so you always have that narrative of people that are out there that are either trying to contradict what you're stating or saying that your information is false all of that that's a reality that we deal with on a regular basis um, and so that's an area that uh, I think is really important within the science community of how do we overcome this misinformation? How do we now bring proper information to the masses in a way that's uh, empathetic, that's sympathetic to people's different perspectives and different uh, understandings that people have about science? Uh, that's definitely an area that's really difficult within the science communication space is being able to not only present authentic and accurate information, but also presented in a palatable way that others that may not necessarily believe what you're saying can now respect it and appreciate it because you are also backing it with scientific evidence, but that at the same time, also understanding it from their perspective and knowing why they may be believing what they believe. So that's definitely an area that's commonality within the science communication space that we all definitely deal with. Um, and then I would say probably the other part is, uh, 
being uh being like being making sure that you are consistently putting out uh true respected like authentic information right it takes a lot of work it takes time anybody that you see that's doing you know this space you know astronomy stuff we have so much news going on recently with artemis launch uh you know being able to put accurate information out there doing that research it takes time to really be able to dive in and know the details and then to be able to communicate that because you're a lot of times you're breaking news and if you're the first person that somebody finds out about they're going to look at that and be like this is authentic and this is factual and you have to do your work and you have to uh you know put your due diligence in the information that you put out there and so now that you're as trusted like news outlets in a way you know you have to make sure that you do your due diligence to put proper information out there to the masses and so i think those parts would be two areas that are definitely difficult within in the science communication space. Have you come like face to face with a person that actually doubted something very scientific? Like, I don't know, like flat earthers or something like that. And how did you, how did you deal with, with that? How do you deal with this kind of person? Yeah, I once, I have funny story. <laughs> I once, uh, I was with, I was doing some work with this organization or this platform uh, and they, we had a, it was basically like a virtual drinking game that I had with a flat earther, right? Their whole goal was like, we're going to put people that are on two different spectrums. We're going to put them together and have them have just this kind of candid conversation. And so it was literally me and a flat earther having a drinking game. And we had a moderator and they were asking us questions and we would answer and different things like that. And it was actually a really unique situation because I walked away uh you know we walked away still believing what we believed right and what the goal wasn't to oh we're gonna force the other person to believe what we're saying but the goal was really to find commonalities and find what was actually uh that we had parallels with you know and the ironic part is that we had a lot of the same beliefs we had a lot of like commonalities within how we thought and how we went about looking at the world and different things like that right and for me, that was really unique because it gave me a better perspective to not just immediately dismiss everybody that's like, oh, the earth is flat or this. Or everybody has kind of unique, interesting and very layered reasons of why they believe what they believe. And the important part is to get down to the crux of what has shaped their reality. And I think culturally, that's important because even from as people of color, right, you want other people to be aware of what you've gone through, the experiences that have shaped how you walk around the world, right? And how you navigate. And if somebody from a different color, different race, different cultural background doesn't understand that and they assume that you should have the same experience as they do, right? There's always gonna be a misunderstanding and there's always gonna be a racial cultural divide. And so I think as humans and, and people in general, we need to find ways that we can find those commonalities and be able to look at somebody else from their perspective and what they're going through and what's shaped their knowledge and their understanding. And so for me, that was a really cool experience. And that's really, I've taken a lot away from that as I do my science communication work to not just immediately dismiss people or not to just kind of go in that like Twitter bashing or calling people out or clapping back at people because <laughs> of things they said. Like I'm not the type that does that. I have my moments where like somebody is really out of pocket and says something really crazy. 
yeah, I might like clap back, but for the most part, I, I'm pretty chill with my responses to a lot of different things. I try to educate, I try to empathize, and then really kind of come back with my perspective, kind of help somebody and understand better what shaped why they presented that information in the way that they did. And so for me, that was a really unique experience that's helped me in my psychom journey. I've seen you like, you know, speaking like, obviously, like when you do your, you know, your, your, your content, like you have this very excited kind of, uh, how can I say behavior and mm -hmm. the way you introduce your content. But I also have heard you speak, which is like very calm. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like some, sometimes, like you said, like it, it's not, it's not good to dismiss the other person's opinions, yeah. but for me one of the wildest accusations is like of wildest like you know kind of ideas is being a flat earth like the, the flat the earth being flat and i i just i i want to hear a good argument for that so did you from your conversation with, with that with that person did something you still remember that actually maybe kind of makes sense because <laughs> like, <No. laughs> right right so it's very difficult to kind of stay composed and not dismiss these ideas when they don't make sense at all yeah how, how did you do it yeah well I, I think it comes back to what the goal of the kind of conversation was right the goal wasn't yeah. i the goal wasn't me trying to make him believe that the earth is around because of what i know or vice versa him trying to mm. you know prove to me why the earth is it was it's, it's flat right it was really just to understand why do we believe the way that we believe and i think i walked away having an understanding of why he believed the way he did right he you know he had unique experiences about his distrust in the government and how the government had presented certain information and all these different layers right that it kind of affected his day-to-day -day life and to me, as being an under, as being a person that as, as well too, that's had situations where you know we all kind of have a distrust in governments and how you know uh, political organizations are run or how even corporations and businesses are run and these different layers and things that they hide and scheme and try to sweep under a rug and all these different things, right? We know about all these different things that happen in the world of business and in the world. Uh, with the mask of oh we're doing this for the betterment of people but there's all these things that happen underneath it you can look at the medical fields you can look at the history of people of color being uh you know being represented in in medicine or being uh having tests and procedures and stuff done right throughout generations uh there's all of those these stories right but at the same time we still go to the doctor we still have to do certain things right so there are all these things that have shaped our natural beliefs about everything and how we navigate it's just that certain things have maybe affected people in a different way, psychologically, mentally, you know, physically, that is forever defined how they view things. And so to me, that was the important part of understanding that is what shaped his beliefs, why he believed that. Obviously, he wasn't going to present any facts to me that I was going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. That does sound yeah, like. Yeah, that makes sense. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but he was able to, but I was able to understand based on why he the things that he'd gone through why he may have believed that you know and that to mm -hmm. me that's the empathetic part of understanding why somebody believes what they believe. I see. Uh, obviously, like 
your career like takes you, you know, everywhere, I think, uh, at least, you know, when dealing with different kind of people and, you know, learning different types of skills. Was there a moment that actually like, and this is probably I'm talking about earlier in your career, like it defined your career kind of like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Was there like a one moment or was it just like, you know, an accumulation of experiences and things that you had gone through that led you to this point? Yeah, I would say it was definitely accumulation of things, but I, I think the, the part where it really transformed and was kind of like the deal breaker for me was once I had, once I had graduated and started working professionally in my engineering position, I kind of hit this block where I felt that I wasn't growing as a person. I wasn't curious about the things I used to be curious about. You know, you're in school and you're always working towards the next exam, working towards the next class, working towards something, right? To be able to achieve this ultimate goal of getting your degree and graduating. And then when you start working professionally, you have to kind of set your own milestones. You have to kind of set your own achievements, what you want to accomplish, whether it's like, oh, I'm going to get a raise or I'm going to uh, get promoted into this new higher position or whatever, you know, or I'm going to be the best engineer at blah, 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 or I'm going to get another new job, right? You kind of set your own milestones of different things to accomplish. And I felt that when I started working, I wasn't really doing what I loved doing anymore, right? I'd got this degree and I was in this profession, I was making good money, but it wasn't satisfying me. I didn't feel that I, I was fully extending my arms and experiencing all the experiences that I possibly could. And like I said, I always was interested in music and arts and all these different things. And I felt pigeonholed within the work that I was doing. I was like, is this what's the world, the rest of my life is gonna be? Just me getting up, going to work, coming home, you know, like watching some TV and then doing this redundant lifestyle over and over again. To me, that didn't bring me joy and happiness. And I went through a period of years where I was like struggling with that. Like I need a change. I need to transition to something else. And so I think for me, making that leap of faith and moving down to LA to do a 180 and pursue entertainment work to me was the transformative part of my life of kind of taking that to the next direction, being fully invested into myself as an entrepreneur and taking full control of my future and what I wanted to do and kind of setting my own uh, path for myself. And so now full circle, I'm still doing what I love doing as far as being involved in STEM and wildlife and engineering and all these different topics, but I'm also running my own show. I'm running my own business. I have different opportunities that are opening up. I have unique explorations that I'm able to go on. I'm able to go on crazy journeys and ex explore and host different things and talk to different people from backgrounds. And every day is a new challenge and a new kind of thing. And I like that newness of life. I like that energy that that brings me. And so for me, being kind of pigeonholed in that position was the transformative part that really shaped what my future was going to be. Perfect. And, and, and like you said, like sometimes, you know, life just takes you in this down this path and just becomes like a repetitive pattern and you feel stuck. So yeah. in, in case somebody is interested in, you know, pursuing science communication and they're, they, what are the transferable skills that they can use during their, you know, undergrad years that after they graduate or actually during their, you know, their time at, at university, I think that's a pretty good time to do science communication because you're constantly learning stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are the skills that you think that people interested in SciCom should 
you know, work on in order to become better science communicators? Yeah, uh, I think I think the, the universal skill that you need is is half of what science communication is, and that's communicating, <laughs> right? Know how to communicate. The science itself isn't necessarily the like the other half of it, really. Um, because at the end of the day, science communication is all about bringing your unique experience into the world of STEM and communicating that in a way that helps educates and helps uh, uh, develop more knowledge in, in, a, in a particular area. So you have science communicators that have backgrounds in engineering like myself, right? You have science communicators that have backgrounds in psychology or botany or, 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 or ornithology or mitochondria, uh, uh, like all, the, all sorts of different areas, right? You have, there's so many different layers of STEM, right? And you can bring your own unique experience to the science communication space. The important part is knowing how to communicate and knowing your communication style. So I think for anybody that's in college pursuing whatever your degree you're pursuing, pursue that degree, right? Know that degree in and out. But outside of that, know exactly how to present that information to people, whatever you're doing. If you are uh, if you are into fungi and mushrooms, right, and that's your thing, right, and you know all the layers and elements of that uh, from the biological perspective, right, you now need to know how to present this to people that have no knowledge about it whatsoever, that have no idea what a fungi is, what a mushroom is, where they come from, all these different things, right? You need to be able to now be able to translate your knowledge into a way that anybody that has no type of background or understanding can be like, oh, okay, I, I now know how this works. I know I now know what this is. That's the crux of science communication is to be able to take complex scientific information and present it in a palatable way that's easy to understand to where the viewer, the listener can walk away and feel more intelligent and feel more empowered and know how this plays a role in their day-to-day -day life. And so that communication aspect is the most important trait that any science communicator has to know because you have to be able to present, whether it's nuclear physics, you know, rocket science, right? You have to be able to make rocket science understandable for somebody that has no idea about rocket science. And that's the important work of science communicators. And you can do that in a number of different ways. You can do that through blogs and writing, right? You can do that through graphical content, doing you know just actual physical graphics and drawing you can do that through art you can do that through music you can do that through a lot of different ways it's really just taking your knowledge and presenting it in a unique way and knowing how to communicate to where others that are listening to it or watching it can now walk away and feel more knowledgeable well, that makes a whole lot of sense I, I i remember like before doing my phd i i, I read uh, I, I don't know i think that was einstein he said if if you if you can't explain it well enough you don't understand it well enough yeah mm -hmm. yeah if it's uh, like it, it needs to be simple so people can understand it and yeah uh, but anyways um uh this this has been a lot of uh, a lot of condensed information <laughs> of your whole science communication career i i'm I'm, re I'm i'm really happy that i was able to talk to you and you know have this uh, conversation with you um I'm, I'm pretty sure anybody who listens to this episode will, will learn a lot about being science communicator especially from one of the best that have ever done it thank you I, I mean that that's my point of view that's my opinion but yeah uh are there any last words that you would like to tell our audience or like a piece mm -hmm. of advice 
Yeah, uh, I always leave people with this piece that I always do out of after a lot of my content that I do on my platform. Uh, I have a phrase that goes, curiosity is nature's PhD. Uh, never stop asking. And for me, I've been able to do a lot of the work that I do and, and open up so many doors by me remaining curious and asking questions and being inquisitive. And I think that's important, not only for our youth to be able to stay curious and, and stay thirsting for no, more knowledge, but also for us as adults, as we get older, we get jaded by life and life experiences. And a lot of times that curiosity gets sucked out of us in a way. And I think it's important for us to remain curious stepping outside the box, stepping outside of our comfort zone, trying new things, meeting new people, going exploring new things. All of these reshape our understanding of the world and the world around us and I think are viable traits to be able to now make us better people and make us more whole and complete. And so that's really what I try to do on my platform, spark curiosity and excitement. And, and I always encourage others that I talk to, uh, whether it's like through platforms like this or others, that curiosity is so important uh, to be able to just maintain your own health and keep you thirsting for more and have new experiences that culminate and let you know more about the world around you. And so that'd be my main takeaway. If anybody has a takeaway from anything that I do on my platform, or if they watch any of my content is that curiosity is important and uh, representation at the end of the day is important. And that's from all spaces, gender, background, cultures, to be able to be reflected in the STEM fields from any type of background that you come from is really important and viable to be able to uplift your own community. So that'll definitely be a few uh, takeaways and words of advice for anybody. Thank you very much for all this information. Uh, if I'm, I'm going to link all your details uh, in the description of this episode. So if anybody is listening or watching and would like to, you know, get in contact with you or, you know, do something together or learn something from you, they'll be able to reach out. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. That's what I'm here yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then thank you very much. And yeah, this is the end of the episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening and watching and see you in the next one.